Hi, everybody, and welcome to Prefer Not To, a weekly sometime cocktails and movies hour. See, you keep swishing it up on me, Lucas. What's up with that? Uh, do you want just cocktails? No, but you got. That's why we have pre shows. Shows that. Uh. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Prefer Not To, a weekly sometime cocktails and insert other verbiage here. Hour. <laughs> Always cocktail and insert other verbiage here. Bleep bloop. Hour. Your robot sounds like Harry Dean Stanton. Does it really? With your hosts, Kate Matthews and Joshua Lucas, as was finally recently confirmed by uh, declassified documents from the old East German Stasi, I am in fact not Kate. And as I recently discovered, deeply buried in a long-lost nuclear bunker in the American Southwest, I am not Josh. Every week, Kate and I first sample a cocktail that we're largely unfamiliar with or one that we feel like exploring. Then we talk about our latest adventure in our ongoing campaign through the lands of movies that might otherwise be forgotten. Anything from forgotten number one movies to horrible 1970s Irwin Allen-style disaster movies. Mm-hmm. Right now, we're taking a tour through the ranks of unfortunate and often ill-advised sequels to movies that were much more successful than the sequels themselves. Mm-hmm. So, Kate, what cocktail are we drinking and what ill-advised sequel did we watch? We are having... Rob Roy's, because, Josh, I don't know if we want to mention this this early, but this is, in fact, our 50th show. So we're hearkening back to our first pilot, I guess, when we tried to make Manhattans and ended up with muddled Manhattans, or we were trying to make Rob Roy's and ended up with muddled Manhattans. Um, So we're having Rob Roy, which is a cocktail made of scotch and vermouth and other things. But we'll get into that later. Uh, we also watched the movie uh, Staying Alive from 1983. And it is a sequel to what? That is a sequel to Saturday Night Fever from 1978? 77, 78, 79, yeah. something like that. Mm-hmm. Which, of course, spawned the hit song Stay In Apostrophe Alive. But the name of this movie was, in fact, Staying, Staying <laughs> Alive. It's a creative license. One of the many puzzling creative decisions. Uh, attached to this movie but not the most puzzling out of all of them not even no, not, not even in close. the least nope no and before we get into that so what's in a rob roy a rob, quickly a rob roy is scotch vermouth bitters and uh, a maraschino cherry and who's in a staying alive uh let's see we've got sylvester stallone as a director no he was not in it but he his touch was everywhere would you agree well, I mean, his parents' touch was certainly in it. <laughs> okay. So let's see who was in this movie. John Travolta. Because it, it co-starred, his, <laughs> co-starred his brother, his, Frank Stallone. Somewhat uh, less successfully formed Stallone. <laughs> it's just funny to me because if you think about someone who's famous, like their brother is Abraham. Let's say it's Abraham Lincoln. His brother is going to be named like Frank Lincoln. Right. It's always Frank. <laughs> like, it's Well, yeah, it's, it's like... Uh, Whatever that Santa Claus movie was, Fred Claus. <laughs> or, uh, you know, there's that Mitchell and Webb skit. I don't know what the Santa Claus brother was in that one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The one where he's having an affair, <laughs> an with, affair Mrs. with Mrs. Claus. <laughs> yeah. We've gone through that, by the way. That's like that's like if my wife's name was Mrs. Josh. Mrs. Claus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because his name is Klaus. Niklaus. Yeah. Right. That's he's Saint. Niklaus Klaus. Right. He's Saint uh, Nicholas. Santa Claus. Well, it's like when people say ATM machine. Yeah. With those juice sauce. Ooh. Yeah. yeah, that's a big one. With con carne meat. Yeah. With yeah. con queso cheese. Con queso cheese. <sighs> con queso e con carne. Right. With, right. With with both con carne meat and, and con, con queso cheese. Queso cheese. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, but before we get to the, the details of the uh, drink. Frank Khan is Genghis Khan's brother. Right. <laughs> Right, exactly. <laughs> Frank Stalin. Well, Frank Stalin was probably the good brother. Frank Stalin just like you know, like had a baby duck collection and worked at an orphanage. <laughs> and did not have a mustache. And repaired tool. No, he had the mustache. He would repair toys, like little he would like little Matryoshka dolls for kids. But and, okay, uh, probably he taught himself origami because mm-hmm. you know he was a, he respected cultures. Mm-hmm. He wasn't just uh, Georgian, mm-hmm. which. 
uh, as you know, Stalin was. Mm-hmm. And uh, Frank Stalin was probably a good guy. Frank Castro. Well, he has a brother. It's Raul. Raul. <laughs> Which is like a better name than Fidel. Oh, Raul really, is the best name. Raul is the best, yeah. Yeah, if you're going to have a Latin name, what would you have? Because I have Guillermo now, which is the worst. Oh, you mean... Because well, I'm William. Oh, because if it's a direct... Yeah. You mean if we get to choose? Yeah. Or if it's a direct... Because my direct is Katarina. Right. No, but if you get to pick one, because I don't want Guillermo. Ooh. And, and, and uh, J- Joshua, mm-hmm. uh, you, you barely get it all. In Italian, it's Josue. And I dated an Italian girl, and her grandparents constantly were calling me Josue. But also, they were fascists. Mm-hmm. And since it's a Jewish name, you could tell they were always like, hey, Josue. <laughs> so, right. Um, if I had to pick a, a traditionally Latin name, Hispanic name, I might go with Mercedes. Oh, that's a pretty good one. Isn't that good? I Pal- love it. Paloma. Ooh, ooh, Pilar. Yeah, Pilar's weird, though. That sounds like a, like a tool. Like, you know, I got I to plane, plane some two-by-fours before I put them in the Pilar. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I ooh, there's so many. Um, mm-hmm. but I do like. I really do like Mercedes. Francisco. Well, for you, not for mm, me. See, si. 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 Don Francisco. <laughs> I think Raúl is the best one, mostly <laughs> because I closely associate it with Raúl Esparza, who I love. Well, also I get Generalissimo Francisco Franco. Yeah. So, well. And I've always wanted to be a Generalissimo. One. Oh, you know. Mm, okay, so the um. Were you just singing one from a chorus line, but about a guy named Juan? No. It's like, Juan is singular <laughs> sensation. I was thinking about this guy who Juan. I had the biggest crush on in college. And, <laughs> and his name was... Don Signorita. But where that particular moment of uh, reverie came from was a guy that I had a huge crush on named in college. Raul? No, his name was, um, I didn't know this for the longest time. I only knew how it was spelled, but it was the Portuguese version of John or Juan. So it, um, it was pronounced Juan, mm. Juan. And I took the, and for, so for the longest time, I just called him eyebrows because he had the most beautiful eyebrows. I mean, like they were perfectly groomed. He was really handsome. Did you get first laid underneath a giant poster of Leonid Brezhnev and that kink you for like lush resplendent eyebrows <laughs> where i first got laid was... i'm not asking that question <laughs> no so the answer is no there were no posters of men uh, with wonderful eyebrows or brook shields no no brook shields either but before we hear about the rob roy or oh, frank right. roy either one uh, and before we talk about our movie staying alive or frank alive as you know we have to do the standard disclaimers uh, standard disclaimer number one Neither Kate nor I is a cocktail expert. I'm fairly sure that Kate, until about 18 months ago, was convinced that the vermouth was a late 1970s model of Buick. Yep. Accurate. The, yeah, the Buick vermouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it came in dry and sweet. Yeah, because that's the, the package. Like, like the, the package, model, right, right? Exactly. Like Whether you want dry... the velour or the vinyl, you would get the dry. Right. The or dry the sweet. is the. Well, I was going to say, like, you know, the dry is the cheaper one. The sweet is the one that comes with its own, like, you know, you got cup holders. You got, like, some sweet ass French. Like. Yes. And uh, neither of us is a movie expert either. In fact, the last time Kate was able to get me out of the house to see a movie, she had to lie and tell me there was a trailer for the sequel to the Masters of the Universe movie, which, as far as I know, they still haven't made. Um, yeah, that's actually fairly accurate. Disturbingly accurate. I also, I was like, hey, Josh, the theater we're going to has beer. Yeah. I, uh, second disclaimer. <laughs> speaking of which, alcoholism and addiction are serious diseases, not unlike Meniere's disease or acoustic neuronoma. If you had either of those, you'd seek the care of a professional. And likewise, you cannot beat a drinking problem by yourself. Seek medical care if you or your friends who love you. I think you have a drinking problem. So you know I picked those? No, I don't. Well, they both can affect your hearing. Okay. And I'm pretty sure that yet again this week I had two instances, and you'll experience this as you grow older, Kate. Mm-hmm. Of, you, you start to, like, you've had to wear glasses pretty much your entire life, right? Uh, since second grade, yeah. So there was never a point where you you can remember noticing that you weren't seeing as well as you previously could. Or, it, or was there? Well, yeah, because there's been times when I've noticed that my glasses aren't working anymore. It's particularly in elementary school. I feel like every about year, 
mm-hmm. almost every two years I had to go back and get a stronger prescription. I finally kind of leveled out, but that idea of like kind of looking up at the board and seeing, oh, I can't see that. I'm squinting again, knowing that it was time to tell my mom that we needed to get a new doctor's appointment. But I think once you are already wearing glasses, you're conditioned to say, hey, maybe there's something going on. Whereas if you have never, with me, I'd, my eyes didn't start going bad until I was in 10th grade. So it took not being able to read the signs in the outfield at the Durham Athletic Park at a Bulls game oh, before yeah. I knew that my eyes were not going bad. So similarly with hearing, mm-hmm. you know, as you age, I'm, I'm starting to, and you know, I've, I've never had really good middle range hearing, but this week you're starting, I've started to notice this. You start hearing things. That aren't and, there? No, I've always done that. Uh, it's that Dutch guy who lives on my left shoulder. No, uh, you start hearing things, phrases that sound like other phrases. Yeah. And you're like, why did that person say that? Because it's like you can't hear well enough. Like I heard a guy on the TV uh, say something was happening on the dais. Mm-hmm. And I thought he was talking about Amadeus. And I heard somebody say um, the Audubon Society. And I thought he was saying the Autobahn Society. Like the German road. Like the German road. Okay. Yeah. And it's just little things that sound really similar like that that start to bleed together. So that's why I picked the hearing things today. Oh. You ever? Oh, holy smoke. Kind of like how all of staying alive sounds the same. It sounds like that wonderful crystalline ringing in your ears you get after snorting high quality cocaine, I'm guessing. Yes. Well, speaking of cocaine. <laughs> uh, now that we're on the topic, why don't you tell me about the Rob Roy first? Okay, so um, the Rob Roy is a drink. It's made of, um, the recipe we're using is two ounces scotch. Again, you don't want to use really nice scotch because if you're, you know, might as well drink that straight. Um, So two ounces of scotch, an ounce of sweet vermouth, a dash of bitters, and you you end up um, garnishing it with maraschino cherries in the bottom of the glass. So it's kind of like, um, I guess, maybe like a martini when you're drinking it and you have the olives at the bottom of the glass. This is just um, cherries, but it's also not the same as other drinks where you have it on the side as a garnish. This one's actually down deep on in there. So that is the Rob Roy, the ingredients at least. And where'd the drink come from? The Rob Roy is named after an operetta about the Scottish folk hero. Um, it was produced in 1894. The composer was Reginald de Coven. And at the time, it was just kind of popular to name drinks after anything. You know, Mm -hmm. as we have figured out on the show, it's like, hey, Josh, you're wearing a green T-shirt while you're enjoying this new beverage. I'm going to christen it the green T-shirt. You know, like, it's almost, it's a little silly. That's hypothetical. I am, as always, wearing my gold and platinum leaf festooned ascension robes, as I do every time that we perform the show. We also... Well, you know, we do theme our hats to the show. So I'm wearing a Scottish Tam. And uh, and I am wearing a conical gold and platinum leaf ascension <laughs> hat. <laughs> so it was named after the operetta, um, which was about, it's a comedy. It's a comedy about the Scottish folk hero, Rob Roy McGregor. It was named Tell after- me a little bit about Rob Roy McGregor. He's a Scottish folk hero who's kind of like a Robin Hood type in the sense that he was really, well, not really rich, but well off considering the time he lived, which was during Jacobite and the Jacobite Rebellion in Scotland. And um, he was a cattle rustler and a man that he entrusted to his cattle one day took off with all of his money. So he had to default on his loan from the local lord, which made him an outlaw. Yeah, I'm given to understand that the line between cattle rustler and... uh and legitimate farmer was not as bright and shining as it is today, as it was back then. Yeah, it just seems like such a weird, it's like, oh, you defaulted on your loan. Well, you're already an outlaw. Well, you know, this was, there were it's pre-enclosure movement, I think, mm-hmm. or at least. So there was a lot of common land, so it's not really clear uh, where you could put your stuff. Right, so he defaulted on his loan. He had to, um, he was declared an outlaw instead of, like, going to jail or debtor's prison or whatever. He just kind of took off into the highlands with his family and then, uh, went out of his way to fuck with the British guy who was in charge of his area. And so kind of became like, you know, rob the rich, give it to the poor kind of person. Um, this was later made into an operetta, as we formerly said. And then also a very wonderful movie starring Liam Neeson and podcast favorite. Well, I guess he is a podcast Liam favorite. Liam Neeson, yes. Mm-hmm. Jessica Lange and uh, Tim Roth and John Hurt. 
also a podcast. And to tie us in with uh, last week's movie, directed by the director of Basic Instinct 2, Michael Cape Jones. No. Yes, indeed. No. It's kismet, Kate. Oh, my God. It's all coming together. We need to watch Rob Roy and then watch the sequel about his brother, Frank Roy. Um, I do want to see this movie, mostly because it involves Tim Roth and a funny wig. Yeah, he got an Academy Award nomination. No, he didn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like heavy scenery chewing Tim Roth. Just, oh, I'm going to... And then John Hurt's in it, too, so... I guess... I know you don't get my thing with John Hurt, but... Well, it's like if I was kinked for Judy Dench or something. She does have a very distinguished voice. I guess. It's voice for me with John Hurt. He's so beautiful, lean, uh, bespoken. He's got a he's got a timbre. He's got something going on. Let me tell What's you. What's with that word, timbre? Timbre. Yeah. Like Jeffrey Timbre. Yeah, that's spelled <laughs> like you would think, but it's spelled t- t- it's spelled timber with a r, and then they expect you to know how to pronounce timbre. I thought it was supposed to be. I thought. Oh, you're talking about like T I M B R E. Mm-hmm. I thought that was timber. No, it's timber. It's timber. Yeah. Timbre. Timbre. Our upstairs neighbor, like, you're going to get some serious percussion through yeah, this Yeah, we're show sorry. Because... We talked about this before. The yeah. elephant out in the in the parking lot wallowing. <coughs> except now, except now, unfortunately, he seems to have invested in clogs that he only wears when he is in the Yeah, apartment. he or she. I don't know what the... F- yeah, we don't know what the it's, fuck's going on up there. Yeah, so apologies for... Uh, and this was... Rob Roy was all during the period of the... The Stewarts had been driven out and... Uh, during William the, and Mary William were trying Mary, to, the Glorious right. Rebellion, and uh, so there was a re- Re- revolution. Well, the Glorious Revolution, right? What did I say rebellion? rebellion. Well, it was a Glorious Rebellion while it lasted. Sure. So then it became a, re- <laughs> and so after William and Mary took power, uh, there was a couple of French groups who were unhappy with it, notably the Jacobites. Who well, there was the traditional alliance besworn. of uh, Scottish uh, folks and French people because there there had been a uh, they, they both didn't like Episcopalians. Well, yeah, but William... And there were also some Catholics in Scotland. I was going to say, William and Mary were Dutch. Well, but they were Protestant, and that's why they became king, as opposed to uh, James II, who was Scottish, but was Catholic. Uh, And that's why the whole... Mm -hmm. You don't have to go through history, but that's why. Sorry, I was thinking of the glorious... The Restoration and then Mm. the Glorious Revolution. Okay, sorry, I got my English history mixed up. David Starkey, forgive me, please. Yeah, you like him, too. Not you would hit- ride that pony. No, I would not. You would ride that pony. <laughs> I would listen to him talk to me about Henry VIII and be like, thank you. This has been a very educational experience. But no. So, speaking like of educational a, experiences. He's got like a triple-breasted suit. Kate, I've never done uh, cocaine. Have you done cocaine? No. So, this is all hypothetical. Mm-hmm. But our movie this week, I think, is as close as I'm ever going to get to mm-hmm. the sensation of using cocaine. I would have to prop I, I, yeah, I would agree with you on that. Yeah. It uh it it feels like uh like I I am on the floor of Studio 54 just breathing up whatever has been left there for a year since it shut down. Yeah, I think that's fairly accurate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So why don't you tell us a little bit about staying alive and what's happened to our hero Tony Monero in the intervening years since the end of Saturday Night Fever. For those of you who don't remember, Saturday Night Fever is the story of a working-class Italian-American kid in Brooklyn who uh, spends uh, his weekdays working at a hardware store Mm -hmm. and his weekend nights at a disco where he can live an alternative life where he imagines he's a king, disco king, and it is a... uh, And he is. He's great. Right. And it's a sort of... uh, I like it. You don't like it that much. But it's an interesting tale of a working-class kid who dreams of bigger things. Well, now, I would like the original movie more, much like this movie, if it had a better <laughs> protagonist. Protagonist, right. Someone who wasn't just, you know, utterly abhorrent. Right. Anyway. Because he's so, a rapist. Yeah, and also just a dick. Right, and, and douche. Dumb. And dumb. And John Travolta. What? Um, so this movie starts out with, um, it focuses again on Tony. He's, right, and at the end of Saturday Night Fever, he has sort of reached some sort of epiphany where he realizes he has to grow up a little mm-hmm. and, uh, and uh, throw away his party ways of some kind. So Tony has since relocated to Manhattan. He is a struggling dancer. He works as a waiter and uh, what's it, and a dance instructor to right. make money. And then he also uses his third shift hours to go to uh, productions, not productions, like auditions. sorry, auditions. And um, so we first see him when he's like been cast out of an audition. His girlfriend is currently employed in a different girlfriend from the first movie, but mm-hmm. who is uh, the actress who played? 
the Patrick Swayze love interest who is not Jennifer Grey in Dirty Dancing. He, that's not his baby. I thought it was his baby. It's not his uh, baby. I'm, clearly, you're a girl. You've seen this movie a lot more than me. I've only seen it the one time. Okay. I always, so I always assumed that it was Patrick Swayze's raw like, sexuality that knocked her up. They're just never, dance partners. I've never found Patrick Swayze sexy. Either. I don't know. Well, I feel certainly like not now. I feel like... God bless him. You're a wonderful dirty. man. Like maybe Dirty Dancing is one of those movies you have to see at a certain age, kind of like Labyrinth. Yeah, although, I was going to say that with my sister, it's they're I think part and parcel. Although I saw Labyrinth when I was twenty four, and I'm still fucking kinked for it. <laughs> um. Anyway, so I suppose you don't ever get unkinked for penis. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's more about the Bowie less than the penis. I don't know. Anyway, so moving on. Tony is hasn't it hasn't had much luck as a dancer. His girlfriend is in a show. Um, he is now Broadway. pursuing a career in the lucrative and popular field of <laughs> dance-only Broadway shows. Mm-hmm. Um, so. And when I describe this to you, if you're saying I'm not sure what you're talking about, it's because I'm pretty it sure this is a thing that doesn't, doesn't actually exist. exist. No, but, it doesn't. Uh, it, it's like a it's like an Atlantic City, Las Vegas did showgirls type review. This movie, by the way, very similar plotline to Showgirls. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, you know, well. if Tony's the showgirl. Yeah. And you've got the you've got the choreographer who wants the sexual favors, and you've got the you know. Yeah, no one, but there's no well, no one gets. There's no Kyle MacLachlan. That's very true. That would have made this movie so much better. No Gina Gershon. Uh, anyhow, continue. So Tony's girlfriend works for a show that's currently on Broadway. He comes to see her perform, and the main star of this show is uh, played by. General Hospital's Finola Hughes. Finola Hughes, who is the star. Tony is smitten by her performance. Because she's classy in English. And, and she's a big star. So and how do we know that she's a big star, Kate? Because she drives a limo. Mm-hmm. Or she, excuse me. She, you she don't drive driven, a limo. You she's driven, driven hither limo. and yon, wearing her furs, uh-huh. as is the custom of all big dance Broadway stars. Mm-hmm. Headline, Broadway headline, making millions and millions of dollars as headlining Broadway d- dance stars. That only last 15 minutes. Shuttled hither and yon, wearing their furs in, yes. in limousines. So he sees her perform. He like falls in love, thinks it's great. He ends up going to her her dress room after the thing. No one seems to stop him, but he knocks on the door and she turns around. And she's like, "Yes, what do you want?" And he's wearing and, like an updated 1983 version of the Tony Manero leather jacket and red shirt and the red look shirt mm-hmm. from the movie because it, it's 83. You can tell because it's got like little puffy piping on it. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, he pulls the old the, Tony Manero. But the charm. collar isn't as wide as his 1970. Right. Anyway, so he's like, "Hey, what you doing, girl?" And she's like, "Get the fuck out!" And he's like. That's rude. Why don't you want me stalking you? I saw you. I thought you were pretty. And, and so... I'm a dancer. I'm a dancer. I'd love to take you out sometimes. So yes. she, like, closes the door, and he, like, just stands there. And then but, she opens the door again, and he's like, I'm still here. <laughs> Not before he learns that there's going to be an open audition, like, the next day. So he leaves uh, the playhouse with his girlfriend, and he's like, hey, I heard that there was an audition going on. And she's like, yeah, Tony, I told you about that three days ago. And yeah. he's like, oh, sorry, Cindy, I might have you know, listened. By the way, we have now summarized about 90% of the actual plot yes. of this movie. Yes. Uh, you, you'll come to understand as we discuss it further, this movie lacks narrative momentum. Among many other things that it lacks, uh, narrative momentum is a big one. Mm-hmm. Clear motivations for the characters, clear choices that they make that haven't impact on, on the anything events else in the movie. exactly yeah. <laughs> yes. it's like events just happen to them right. kind of like like you said like nicholas cage and eight it's millimeter. very it's yeah like, it's like eight millimeter if there weren't even the barest threadbare plot of a mystery to carry the plot forward <laughs> i think there's a couple of mysteries in this movie josh <laughs> such so. as where did all the cocaine come from <laughs> Two, that's and, and the reason that i mention cocaine a lot is uh every scene almost has like a cloud of white dust in it like it looks like like in uh, you know in Annie Hall when uh, when he sneezes into the little the box of cocaine and there's like this huge plume of cocaine mm-hmm. like that's what every scene in this movie looks like there's like a giant plume of cocaine lurking around mm-hmm. and there it may very well have been the case yeah it might have been so step one where did all the cocaine come mm-hmm. from step, step two, two collect how, underpants how do we <laughs> the mystery of rhythm right. <laughs> 
How we get rhythm. How we get rhythm. And step three, who in the fuck knows? Why is Frank Stallone famous? Oh, right. Anyway, why okay. is Frank Stallone in this movie? So meanwhile, Girlfriend, in the, in the the it's not even charitable to call it a B-plot because it's barely a B-plot. Girlfriend is singing in a sort of very smooth yacht rock style band in Kate's favorite sequences in the movie, I can only yes. guess. In some Frank Stallone penned yacht rock compositions. <laughs> and we know that Frank Stallone penned uh, A, because of the credits, but B, because he is the rhythm guitarist in the band that the girlfriend is performing in and is something of a rival for her affections. No, he's not at all. That's a, like that's how Tony sees it. But Tony himself, who's already scheming to mac on uh, Finola Hughes, mm-hmm. comes to see her singing with someone in her band and goes, hey, why are you trying to get with him? What's up with that? And she's like, Tony, there's yeah. nothing going on between And he makes and like Carl. a really half-assed joke about how he looks like Rambo. He's he looks like, like a paratrooper. Yeah, I don't know what's up with that guy. And she thinks it's really, like, and it's it's really fucking annoying because he's, like, very possessive and he's slut-shaming her for not doing anything when mm-hmm. he's already... When, gonna... like, he gets kicked out of... Well, so... All right. <laughs> so how does he finagle a dance with... Finagle with Finola? Ooh. Yeah, that's one of her signature dance moves, the finola finagle. <laughs> Is that an Italian pasta dish? <laughs> finagle pasta, finola. Pasta finagle. Whoa! Uh, um, Sorry. So, um, how do they end up going on what I can loosely, in filmic terms, call a date? So, <laughs> they meet... Uh, he's still stalking her. You're talking about Finola Hughes, right? Yeah, but it's not like stalking like he's looking in her window. Right, no, right? but he's just like waiting for her when she comes out of right. the last performance she's done. And she's like, oh, hey, Tony. And now she likes him Right, because she's reason. English and shit. And she's like, oh, hello, Tony. And <laughs> and he's like, hey, what's up, baby? And then they all of a sudden explicably like make out. And well, then no, we cut to... It's not that they explicably make out. It's that they... For some reason, he sort of... They're down in this tunnel underneath the theater. Looks that like looks like the reptile room. house mm-hmm. at the Bronx mm-hmm. Zoo. It might have been. Um, it might very well have been. It gets a lot of action for this movie. Like a lot Ayo. of important scenes happen in this reptile house hallway. <laughs> uh, and like for some reason, he some amount of the Tony Monero charm convinces her to go on a date with him. And then over the course of a two and a half minute long Bee Gees song, mm-hmm. they go from barely tolerating one another to. A postcodal bliss in her uh, ermine fur-lined penthouse apartment, pasted. be-mirrored John Borman style yes. apartment, and it's literally like, there's this whole. Kate and I kept singing to the to the tune of the song that it was just letting the song do the Let work. The song do Let the, the song work, do, do the work, work do the work, because like, it was just nothing but the song telling telling the story. It, basically, the entire montage is them walking in a park, and it's like a cute like first date kind of like, oh hey, let's go look at this statue. Right, let's right. Let's go to the Bethesda the Fountain in Central Park. And then all of a let's sudden, ride in a carriage. It, and forgive the the terminology, but it climaxes. <laughs> And all of a sudden, they're just in bed together, and it's like, whoa! Yeah, and this is not the not this is the first, but not the last of the uh, using the montage to move the story forward. Oh God, uh, no! In like what would have been in a decent movie, an entire act's worth of arc. Mm-hmm. So, so they uh, wakes up in her apartment. Which, they've slept together, like no. everywhere else. Yeah, they, and she kicks him out after they have sex. Yeah, she kicks him out at like three a.m. and he's so perturbed. He's like, "Hey, maybe why I've never been kicked right. out before." And, and, and she's like, "Paul Lind is having a rough day." She uh, <laughs> kicks him out. She kicks him out. He, he calls up a Dirty Dancing girl. And asks if he can go sleep over there. For like, I got kicked out of her apartment. I need some place to sleep. And she's like, okay, come over, Tony. We're you the worst Travolta's ever. <laughs> like, neither of us is even close. <laughs> she's like, come over, Tony. And he's like, okay. And just never does. Cause no. he's like, Which is Because then he accidentally gets shanghaied by a montage on the way over to her house. <laughs> it's fucking no, it's emotional too- abuse. Like, he's like, hey, I'll be over. And she's like, okay. And then he just and then never it's shows like, up. He's like, Baby, the rhythm's taking me. I gotta go. Let the song do the work. Let the song do the work. And like he, another montage, but this one is at night, so you know it's different. It's serious, right? It's serious. serious. He's walking around. I think he goes back to Brooklyn because he drives over the Brooklyn Bridge and he's looking. And by the way, every light in this movie mm-hmm. has a, is like is flaring. Like it's. Do we all mention this has, was directed by Sylvester Stallone? Yeah, we mentioned it at okay. the start, but I think the, the presence, the, the strong presence of. <laughs> 
Frank Stalin. <laughs> oh, excuse me, Frank Stallone. <laughs> and his rhythm guitar. Right. Frank mm. Stalin's rhythm. No, Frank Stalin was a wonderful man. Again, with the Matryoshka dolls and whatnot. Uh, no, but every light is just completely blown out like um <laughs> like like it's like flaring. Like, yeah. There's a lens fire. But like on every it's like every night shot in this movie looks like um you know those really soft focus Christmas card photos of a Christmas tree mm-hmm. where like every light on the Christmas tree is just completely flared out? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's like every single light bulb. Yeah. Well, it's, not, it, it's not processed. It's just, you know, he didn't take care, I guess, not to, you know, blow things out and use the right lens or whatever. Or want. he liked that look. I'm sure he liked that look because he's yeah. like, hey, it's the bright lights of Broadway. But it's like everywhere. And again, it's another one of those cocaine effects where I can only imagine... There's like We're a user cocaine of cocaine. It's just like, everything is so bright and shiny, and all the lights are the beautiful. They're beautiful. Look at that one over there. So yeah, so he goes back to Brooklyn. You see some sights from the old movie, like his old dance club, the which has club since is become a gay, a gay club because ooh, and he's gross. like really upset about that. Oh my god! There's one thing John Travolta can't stand. It's it's the gay bars. <laughs> He ends up at his mom's house. His mom is like, Tony, why are you here? And he's like, I don't, I don't know, know, mama. <laughs> and he's like, I'm with you. None of us do. The montage led me here. I don't know. Blame it on the montage. <laughs> Blame <laughs> it on the montage. So montage. <laughs> he ends up getting, um, he tries out for a new show. And um, ends up getting cast. He uh, he he makes the pass at Finola Hughes, and she's like, "Why are you here?" And he's like stalking her outside of her apartment. Right. And then, in another incredibly true to life detail, Finola Hughes is having an affair with their incredibly aggressively heterosexual, well, be bearded choreographer. Yes, but before we see her with him, we see her with that older gentleman who's like bald and fat. So right. you know that she's a whore because she's seeing more than one man at a I, time. I guess I'm sure that played into Tony's mind. Um, so Tony is like mad that she's not paying him attention, even though he clearly gave her the D. <laughs> and I guess he just thinks it's so fabulous. I know. I mean, Which he's had sense. his. Aud- I mean, he's literally had his audition, so to speak. <laughs> but it makes sense because he gave the D to this other chick, and she's just like falling all over. I'm like Tony. I know you said we were going to meet at two o'clock in the freezing cold at the other side of town, and you never showed up. But that's okay. I just want to be your friend, Tony. Oh yeah, then she does a whole like, is it okay if we're just friends? Mm-hmm. It's uh, and and then um, then we slide into the third act uh, in what would have been the first act in any in other movie, movie. Yeah. right? Where it turns out there's a big show. Tony gets cast as uh, one of the background players, right? After along in, with his girlfriend. In practice, the lead, the original lead, can't cut it. Because he's like he's just fighting too much with Finola Hughes. So right. Tony talks the choreographer, who is so so manly and, into, and heterosexual and heterosexual and lushly bearded, and, and he is lushly bearded. That is true. Into cat and like give, most Broadway choreographers, especially of fifteen-minute-long shows with no narrative actors in nineteen eighty-three singing. Uh, he's incredibly heterosexual. Yes. So he gives Tony a shot to perform with Finola Hughes in this. In this uh, this, a song, yeah. Okay. Song. And, and Tony blows it, first of all, because they, they're fighting and they hate each other. And then he gets a stern talking to from the choreographer. You've got to work together. He's like, hey, I gave you this shot. You think you're going to go out and get this shot anywhere else? No. So um, they, they work it out. He becomes, he's the lead in this, this show called well, first of all, you Alley. Missed, okay, so first of all, oh. you missed the half-second appearance of Patrick Swayze. Yep. There was, uh, uh, Patrick Swayze is in the movie for all of half a second. An extra, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and second, you missed you missed their uh, their uh, pra- their rehearsal of uh, the song. Yes, that they're going to do in the play. Okay, yes. do you want to do you want to take the first line of the song, or do you want me to take the first line so, of the song? The song is played. Ding, 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 stop, stop. Okay, ding. I'll do I'll do the beat. I'll do the beat. Okay. You do the words. Okay, hold on. So this this plays almost ad nauseum for like it's a good three like, minutes. <laughs> yeah, at least. Stay. Hold on. <clears throat> Less laughing. Hmm. Dun dun, 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 fire, dun dun, dun dun, dance fire. Dance. 
show uh, we haven't learned the name of the show at this point have we yeah but later when we're watching the show that is apparently like the climax of the show mm-hmm. again forgive right. me sorry it's the apex the ape the acme of the, the peak. Uh, of the show the orgasm to, oh wait that was it. <laughs> to, uh, and it, uh, yeah so that's the actual like but you don't know anything about it. You don't know the name of the show. We no. figure out later it's named Satan's Alley. Right. Um, and again, it's Which one we of those. trying to figure out. It's a weird five minute, Doesn't that sound three like act, five something minute. that a nun would call some sort of body part? Like, don't touch yourself there. That's Satan's Alley. <laughs> yeah, the lower parts. Yeah, that's right. Don't touch yourself down in Satan's Alley. <laughs> the taint, if you will. <laughs> You don't think so? I don't know. Out of all of the body parts, you grew up Catholic. You tell me. I barely grew up between <laughs> Satan's Fun Town and Poopy Land. I don't know. I mean, I, I, some people that's Fun Town too. And I, don't forget about Satan's Carnival. <laughs> Dance. Uh, so then they start doing this show, which is a three-act show, and by three-act I mean three five-minute-long songs. <laughs> Of uh, that is takes place in some sort of hell-ish, hell alley, hellscape, yes. sort of. Uh, Tony is some sort vaguely. of rag-dressed, vaguely Jesusy uh, person being taken Who's into lowered, hell, lowered down right. on like a little crane thing, and then uh, um, where the cast of cats grab his angles. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. There's like smoke, and all the other backup dancers mm-hmm. are doing. Which is something I want to mention here: the stuff that we have seen them. Perf- preparing for nothing like this nothing like that shows including up in the final show it's song. the fire dun, um, dun. right so there's um, the song where he's um his ankles are harassed by the cast of cats yeah uh finola hughes comes in and she's like a she she's like halloween sexy devil costume yep she's complete and, with like shitty little plastic pitchfork yeah and uh then there's the scene where and um, they're dancing her, around in a cloud of cocaine yeah and then there's the scene where uh he demons uh throw ropes at John Travolta. In gimp costumes. In gimp costumes. And he has to fight against the rope. Right. That's act two. Which is one of the most masculine, mm-hmm. heterosexual things right. I and have then, ever it, seen. And it's all and it's punctuated by it's punctuated by cutaways of the again very masculine <laughs> and heterosexual be bearded choreographer. Going. Whenever whenever John Travolta executes a dance move, he'll say things like, Nailed it. Yes. It's perfect. Yes. And so he's fighting against these gimps and, and against their ropes. They're enslaving him. He finally breaks free. Uh, there's a weird scene And then there's a third where... act where there's a laser show. And uh, it turns out he and Finola Hughes are going to fight. And in the at the climax, apex, peak. Climax, of the, orgasm. Of the show. He decides Ejacu- to. What? What? Huh? <laughs> Money shot. He decides to um, throw Finola Hughes off to the side and improvise a dance routine. Yeah, it's really weird because then, like, the, the choreographer is, like, watching him and goes, what is he doing? And you're right. like, what? But then the choreographer is, like, he brings him and he's like, yeah, nailed it. Especially there's this weird this part where. This kid knows how to dance. <laughs> where Tony gets on this platform, which I guess in the structure of the play, it's like he descended into right. Satan's alley. He was tempted. And then he, he breaks free. <laughs> and then he comes back up to the light. So you're saying is that. In white light. Satan's alley is the taint. <laughs> John Travolta <laughs> descended into Satan. No, uh, so yeah, this I'm not clear whether this rising platform was part of the original show. I, I, I assume it, it would have had to have been. Yeah. But then like, like he's up on it and he's like calling to Finoli. He's well, like, come jump up under he, the... He shoved her aside. Right. And I think that's not what he was supposed to do, obviously. So he like regretted it maybe like five seconds really? later and was like, come back to me, I guess. I guess. That's, and that's, then she gets up like and everybody cheers and... Um, Mama Celeste is, that's my boy. He's so happy. Um, He's a star now. And then describe the ending, which I can only, uh, which I can only personally describe as insulting. Do I have to? Yes. So he's a star. Everyone's like giving, throwing roses. His his girlfriend, who has been basically emotionally abused this entire movie, comes up to him and is like, Tony, I'm so happy. What are you going to do now? And he goes, 
I'm going to strut. And then bursts open the doors of the theater. And what do we hear, Josh? Stay in net apostrophe alive in a recreation of the title sequence of Saturday Night Live Fever minus the paint can. He's walking through. No time to talk. So he basically walks down the street and it's a very mirror to mirror, shot to shot uh, recreation of the original opening from um, Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Live Fever. Saturday Night Fever. And he's just strutting. And then the movie ends in a freeze frame. Right. I, I was sitting there for like 15 seconds. I'm like, please let this movie end with a freeze frame. Please let it end with please. a freeze frame. Because nothing says really, really memorable 80s movie like ending on a freeze frame. Yeah. And it does. And that's staying alive. This movie had a lot of problems. Oh, God. Starting this... with no story, no arc, an unlikable main character. Yes. Incompetently shot, incompetently edited. Oh, my God. The number of cross dissolves. Uh, the number of, like, really shitty takes yeah. that were used. Like, it's where... like, what were the good takes? Well, but, like, was... it's clear that a lot of these slow-mo takes that they did for dancing, they were only going to do one take. Because, you know, slow-mo is a little more expensive to do. Yeah. And, like, there are some slow-mo takes in this movie where the actors are just making, like, weird-ass faces. <laughs> That, like, why did you capture well, that in slow motion? you know motion? that oddly sexy, like, I guess it was supposed to be a love scene kind of where he's practicing for the dance with right. his girlfriend? Right, and her headlights are on. And her headlights, well, yeah. Um, and, like, they both look very technically, like, it's nice that you're like, wow, that's really uh, impressive that the human body can do that. And then you think about it in the, con- and it makes no sense because there's, like, this love song playing over it. Right, and it's, again, like, constant cross-dissolves. Like, mm-hmm. constant slow-mo cross-dissolves in these dance montages. And it's just, like, one after another after another after another. And it's... And I also think we're downplaying, the movie severely downplayed its use of Frank Stallone, who... As Carl was my favorite part of the whole movie. He had almost nothing to say, but I didn't hate him. And he didn't. seemed to enjoy his craft, his craft being grinding suggestively against his rhythm guitar while yes. he plays Yacht Rock. Yes. Uh, and, it's uh, my ideal man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is... Um, it's not. I will say that this is this is on my list of movies that are bad in enjoyably bad ways. Yeah. It's like, like This I is can't... on my list with Death Wish 3 in terms of... If you want a really bad movie to have people over and watch a movie that you can't believe how scream, bad it is, yeah. mm-hmm. it is, this is, you will not go wrong with staying alive. I agree. Yeah. Wow. God. So, Kate, if staying alive were a cocktail, mm-hmm. what would it be? Um, is cocaine a cocktail? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. No, seriously. So let's put some cocaine in a glass mm-hmm. and add some vermouth to it mm-hmm. and like maybe a squirt of bitters and some lime <laughs> juice and then just muck that up, mm-hmm. shake it with ice mm-hmm. and serve it. That right. is what this movie is. Until it makes you want to. <laughs> no, don't you do it. Don't you do it. Damn. God damn it. Mine was very similar. Mine was a uh, shot of tequila Fire. that instead of you, instead of doing salt after you had the tequila, you did cocaine. So, Kate, if the Rob Roy were a motion picture, what would it be? Um, okay, so to me, I can't say Rob Roy, right? Like, I can't say the Liam no, Neeson. Okay. I, the I knew that was probably like with Tequila little... Sunrise. We couldn't say the Tequila Sunrise. You couldn't. Um, okay, so to me, I'm thinking. <laughs> to me, um, so this drink is very strong. Um, it it isn't necessarily tasty. It kind of does reek of like, oh, hey, we're gonna put some stuff in a glass and like make it together. But it seems like something that would just. Um, that every part of it is wrong, but somehow it all works out. Um, and that every, to me, it just reminds me, like, everyone is, er, anyone who has this drink is going to be fucked up. Like, you're just going to, like, it's it's one of those things where you drink it, and as soon as you take name a first a sip, drink. you're like, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> okay. The first name sip, me a movie. The first sip you have, you're like, holy shit, I'm going to be drunk, but you finish the rest of the movie anyway. To me, it's like. Apocalypse Now, in the sense that you you see like the first couple of cent, you know part of it, and you're like, wow, this is some fucked up shit. I'm gonna my life is gonna be in a much different place when I'm finished with it. Also, in the sense that everyone who made who made Apocalypse Now was on some kind of drug or something going on. Have you seen Hearts it. of Darkness, the documentary about making? Apocalypse I haven't. Now? No, it's really good. No, because mine was a little bit different. Uh, mine was uh, you're too young to remember this, but there's a craze in the late '80s where the idea was if you take popular uh, either television stars or mm-hmm. comic stars um, and put them into an action comedy that that was like box office gold. It was the, it's the um, 
You it's, mean like Chevy Chase? Well, sort of, but it's like everybody wanted Beverly Hills Cop. Mm-hmm. Everybody wanted to, to do a new Beverly Hills Cop or a mm-hmm. new uh, 48 Hours. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and those movies are entertaining. Uh, but there were a lot of them that didn't work at all, where you just took like things that didn't make any sense. So you ended up having movies, and I'll tell you the movie that I'm thinking of, uh, because it has people who are talented nominally. I came down to two movies. One, which I didn't pick, was Outrageous Fortune with Bette Midler and Shelley Long oh, in an God. action adventure. Oh, yeah. God. Okay. Bad movie. Like, how did that even happen? But the oh. one that I chose, which oh. was even worse, is the movie, is the movie Burglar with Whoopi Goldberg and uh, Bobcat Goldthwait. No. Uh, no. In a, a action comedy. No. Yes. That does not exist. Yeah, it does. Jesus I, Christ. I, I, and I saw both of those movies on the same bill at a sneak preview one day. How? Why did you? I guess you went to the second like one because you thought it was going to be better. And then afterwards, it was like, "What am I doing no, with my life?" I was mostly Jesus just I was twelve Christ. and I see movie. I'll see anything. That's my excuse for a lot of movies that I saw in the theater. Yeah, at that age, including oh. House of Dead. <laughs> and um, shit, was that one with Ray Romano and Gene Hackman? Were oh, they, uh, welcome to Kingsport or Mooseport. Yeah, well, they run off against each other. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> All right. You know, we didn't get to talk about picking my loaded father up from the hospital again, and we didn't get to talk again. about and we get because I and we didn't get to talk oh, about catnip right. either. Catnip. Well, catnip came to kind of a a, a a crawl. I mean, it ended its kind of like tortured summer run, mm-hmm. and um, we have some thoughts on it, like. I think and Papa Patrol's not going to be back until after the World Series. No. But, I mean, I think Catnip um, kind of benefited from the retooling that it did. I think in the first season it really struggled to find its voice. I think so. We're considering actually just spinning off the Catnip stuff into our own Catnip podcast because I don't think there are any dedicated Catnip podcasts. I don't think so. No. Um, so we, that may be, you know, stay tuned because it may, it may be – we may have a dedicated – it might be a dedicated Catnip and Papa Patrol uh, Combo, yeah. I, I, you know, you don't see both of those out there. You've got your Paw Patrol. You don't have any catnip, but if you got Paw Patrol and catnip together, yeah, it's a possibility. Yeah. So I, again, I wanted to thank uh, to everybody who tweeted us at PNT Cast and uh, who has sent us letters at pntcast at gmail dot com. Amber. The website, our new website, prefer not to dot com. The old website will still work, but uh, we're pointing people to prefer not to dot com. On Facebook, you can search for prefer not to. Kate does the Tumblr, pntcast.tumblr.com. And you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you enjoy the show or if you almost enjoy the show and something would make you enjoy it, please write us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. It takes very little time. And really, it's the number one thing you can do to say, hey, I listened to your show and it's terrible. Did you mention Facebook? Yes, I did. Search for Prefer Not To. I also wanted to give a big shout out to Superfan Amber. Amber. Who who sent us a copy of her incredibly charming zine, uh, Jet Pilot. Amber, please, I know you haven't made more issues of this in seven years, but we need it. And here's my one sentence pitch to you uh, about a new new strip or a new new pitch. Uh, This is along the lines of catnip. Mm -hmm. But I want to see the adventures of Shakespeare in the park and the Lilith Dracula. I think those guys would be great buddies. I think that would work, too, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, as has come to be the tradition, Kate and I are going to end the show with a would you rather. Uh, yep. All right, you want to go first or you want me to go first? You go first. Okay, Kate, Mm -hmm. would you rather Mm -hmm. live completely alone with no human interaction at all for the rest of your life Mm -hmm. or never, ever be alone for a single second the rest of your life? Not in the crapper, not not in the doctor's office, nothing. Okay, so the first scenario, mm-hmm. if I am alone, I can't go to the grocery store? Like, or no, if but I when do, you go to the grocery store, there's nobody there. There's nobody. No one to check me out? Okay. They have the automatic checkouts. Am I, like, diseased or something? Or is it just kind of a weird coincidence it's of just, Yeah, there's nobody there. You just never see another human soul. Do I get to pick the people that are with me no. when I am with everywhere? No. So, like, if I'm in my doctor's office, it's not, like, my, like, some guy off the street. Let's say it's people you know, there. but it might not be people you like. People I like. Um, it I'm might gonna, not be people mm, you like, but it's definitely people you okay, like. Okay, I'm definitely going to go with uh, being alone forever. What if it's only people you like? What do you mean? That you're only around people you like for the rest of your life. You mean, but you still pick that? in the yeah. bathroom and stuff? Mm-hmm. Okay, here's a question. Mm-hmm. Am I allowed to take a shower by myself no. if the person is in the room, but I have the shower curtain closed? Shower curtain open. Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, that's just going to give water everywhere. Clear shower curtain. I, mean, I guess that would distort my body to a point where I wouldn't care. Um, 
Okay, so if They're I'm alone, see you pooping. all right. Well, yeah, obviously, I'm just going down the list mm-hmm. in my in my brain. Uh, so, uh, if if I'm alone, am I allowed to have interaction with animals? That is sick. No, you know what I mean. <laughs> like, do I have a cat or a dog or a goldfish? Do or... they count as people? I'm saying, does that? Oh, am I still have, allowed yeah, to have, have pets even if animals. I'm living you by myself? You can have animals up up to uh, let's say up to dog. Anything like more f- higher on the food chain than dog? What's higher have. on the food chain? Like that's cows domestic. and elk. You can't oh. have any of that. Oh, shit. okay. Well, I wouldn't want or those. a horsey. I wouldn't want that. Fuck horses. Horses are terrible. Um, I'm still going to go with being alone forever. Okay. What about you? What would you say? I don't know, but I don't have to answer that one. What? <sighs> All right. So lay it on me. <sighs> okay, Josh. Mm-hmm. If you had to um, spend the rest of your life, let's say, all right, so you're di- you died, mm-hmm. you, you're, and um, you have been found wanting, so you're going to hell. Mm-hmm. My but name is Wanting, and I can't play the man's game. But it's game. like, especially, <laughs> fuck you, that's my name. So you're going down to a ironic, specialized hell mm-hmm. um, for yourself, mm-hmm. not like firing pensioners, but you're going to be stuck in this really awful place for the rest of your life. Would you rather be stuck <clears throat> in uh, Saturday Night Fever? 1978 but you're at the disco every single night and you can't do anything but hang out with john travolta's character or would you rather be stuck in the dance studio from 1983 staying alive and you're still stuck with john travolta um but they're two different types of john travolta okay so first question am i me you're you yeah you're you're dead and you went to hell and your punishment is god is going to trap you then i'm in the club staying alive or or in the world that is Saturday Night Live. Uh, Saturday, Saturday Night, Night Fever. Fever. Saturday really? Night, yeah, easily. Because there's, A, there's beverages, there's music. It's not the 80s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's easy. Okay, what if all the beverages are just maggots and glasses? You can't you can't just consume them. Are there beverages in the in the dance studio? Uh, water that tastes like cocaine. Is there cocaine water in the Saturday Night Fever studio? I mean, it is a studio, so I'm going to say, yeah, probably, but no, for the purposes of this. You're either stuck in 1978 with John Travolta or 1983 with John Travolta. Okay. The one, there's, there's no water be, at all? There's going to be dancing regardless. Okay, but there's no water in 78? But I there's mean, water in 70, in 83? Yes, there's water in 78. Okay, and I'm still you, going to the club. You're stuck in the club? Yeah. Forever with, yeah. with John Travolta? Yeah. Not John Travolta. I mean, like, John Travolta Tony as Monero. Tony Monero. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, as usual, had a fun time talking about this really, really terrible movie. And so apparently did Jill. Cats. The cat. As always, I hope you guys will spend some time with us again next week and look forward to seeing you then. All right. Thank you for listening. God damn it.